Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for March 17th. I'm Melissa Davlin. Last Friday was the filing deadline for candidates wanting to run for statewide and congressional office. Here to discuss who is and isn't on the ballot is Idaho Reports producer Ruth Brown. Ruth, what stood out to you about that filing news that came out? So what stood out to me most is we'll have uh, several incumbent uh, challengers uh, in the legislature, and there were also some familiar names that came back to run for uh, statewide office. For example, Raul Labrador, former congressman, is now running uh, for the attorney general's seat. Um, Jeff Thompson, a former representative, is now challenging uh, Barbara Ehart. And there were several others along the way, and then you also have some legislators who uh, have opted to run for statewide office. Representative Priscilla Giddings, uh, Speaker of the House Scott Bedke are both now running for, uh, excuse me, for Lieutenant Governor. And we've known that since last year, but there was some news that came out on Friday with some familiar faces, as you said, running for the legislature. Former Representative Phil Hart is running for state senator in the new District 2. Uh, former Senator Dan Foreman is running for senator in the newly formed District 6. Uh, that also has two incumbents in there, Robert Blair and David Nelson. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting matchup. I just... That, that legislative primary, especially among the Republicans, where we have a number of challenges, is going to be so interesting in May. It is, um, particularly due to redistricting, there's some longtime incumbents who will challenge each other. Over in District 9, uh, Senator Jim Rice and Abby Lee will be challenging uh, each other. They have a couple others um, in that race as well, but they are the two incumbents. Um, also in District 9, Representative Scott Syme and Judy Boyle will challenge each other. Um, I think in those races, uh, Senator Rice and Representative Boyle have been in office longer than Rep Representative Syme, but Lee is in leadership now, mm -hmm. uh, and Representative Syme regularly debates on the floor. I think um, they may not be the longest incumbent, but they've certainly established their own and have uh, a following. So it'll be interesting to see how those play out. Well, and with Senator Lee and Representative Syme both, they, they haven't been in the legislature as long as Senator Rice and Representative Boyle, but this is also a fairly new legislature. We don't have a lot of incumbents who have been serving as long as Senator Lee or Representative Sign, even though within that race, you know, they're they're facing off against two folks, especially Judy Boyle, who has been in the legislature for, for quite a while. Um, you know, in, in District 22, we also have um, Representative Furch and Representative Vanderwoude, who are facing off against each other. Um, so many interesting incumbent versus incumbent races that we didn't see during the last redistricting round. I, I covered that redistricting, that post-redistricting primary, and most of the lawmakers at the time who were redistricted together, a lot of them ended up retiring as opposed to having to face their friends and colleagues. The only, the only one that popped up was in the newly formed District 23 um, with Senators Tim Corder and Burt Brackett, and Burt Brackett, of course, won that. But this is a very, very different um, situation that we're seeing now. Um, and, and I'm curious how that's going to play out in May. Also, along with those retirements that we're seeing and people who are running for statewide office, we're going to see a lot of shakeups 
in leadership, um, particularly in the House, although also among the Senate Minority Caucus, um, big retirements there too with M Michelle Stennett and Grant Burgoyne. Um, but on the House side, you, regardless of what happens with that Lieutenant Governor race, Scott Bedke isn't going to be back, you know, um, which means that we're gonna have a new Speaker of the House next year. We also know that um, JFAC co-chair Rick Youngblood is retiring. Um, he initially did file to run for office and then withdrew um, nearly at the last minute. The co-chair, or sorry, the vice chair of that committee, Carolyn Nelson troy is also retiring. Um, she's been in the legislature since 2014. And so big, big repercussions there um, for how those appropriations bills are crafted. Another race that uh, will become contentious, uh, both Stephen Thane and Scott Grow are now in the same district and are challenging each other for a Senate seat. Uh, Stephen Thane, of course, chairs uh, the Education Committee. Scott Grow is on uh, JFAC and several other committees. So I think one of the uh, biggest that I think anybody who covers the legislature will notice is Senator Lodge is also retiring. Senator Lodge has been a longtime powerhouse in this building. Um, she currently chairs uh, State Affairs. I believe she used to chair Jude and Rules. Uh, and and health and welfare before that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a powerhouse. She is. She regularly uh, brings bills successfully. Mm -hmm. uh, and she also she has kills bills. <laughs> she kills she bills. does, yeah. She's, she's also known for if she doesn't want to hear it, she puts it in the drawer. And mm -hmm. she's, um, she's unapologetic about that, mm -hmm. as a chairman should be. Um, yeah, she, so she makes a decision and she stands by it. Absolutely. Sure. Well, and we'll be, oh, go ahead. Uh, we'll be losing several representatives who are attempting to run for Senate, including uh, Representative Greg Cheney, uh, who is the current chair of House uh, Jude Rules and Administration, um, Representative Tammy Nichols, uh, Doug Okonowitz, Lori Likely, Ben Adams, Linda Harkin, uh, James Ruckty, James and uh, Terry Gastron have all filed to run for Senate. Rather than, rather than the House. And then I believe Representative Galloway is going to challenge sitting Senator Fred Martin. Um, so we'll see how that goes because Fred Martin, uh, while he won in the last election, it wasn't an overwhelming win. He had a real horse race on his hands. And that's one of, I think, two districts that ex exist right now. Um, that are mixed with both Democrats and Republicans representing them. And that's not common anymore in the Idaho legislature. Um, it used to be a lot more common where you had districts that had both Republicans and Democrats, not the case as much anymore. Um, and so with those redistricted boundaries shifting a little bit for those incumbents, very curious to see how that is going to go in that primary because Martin is one of those lawmakers who has been challenged um, pretty consistently on both the right and the left. Every single year that he's been in the legislature, he's had a tough challenge in the primary and a tough challenge in the general. Again, not super common for these lawmakers who are, a, a lot of them come from conservative districts and um, don't, a lot of times the election is, quite frankly, during that Republican primary. Martin always has a challenge on his hands. Absolutely. And I, you know, and, and speaking about the, the shifts in dynamic, no matter what happens in the elections, back to that 
that Senator Lee and Senator Rice race, regardless of what happens in that primary, the Senate is going to lose either its assistant minority, or sorry, assistant majority leader, or it's gonna lose its taxation and local government chair. Mm -hmm. And those are two, again, powerful positions in the Senate that um, those ripple effects are gonna be felt next year, regardless of who wins that primary. Senator Winder in a call with the press club mentioned that um, there's potential for about a third of the Senate to turn over, uh, which can be good and bad. It brings new ideas, but also there's a lot of institutional knowledge about ongoing efforts the state's made. Um, various initiatives that the governor started and the legislature took on. Um, justice reinvestment, for example, is a, an initiative that has been I don't need years, maybe 2016, 2014. It's, it's been, I think, longer than that. Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, so you lose some of that institutional knowledge, but right. maybe bring some new ideas as well. Yeah, we, we can't talk about who's on the ballot without also talking about who is not on the ballot, whether or not they meant to be on the ballot. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I'm talking about Mayor Shelby Ronstadt, who right. thought he had appropriately filed, still contends that he had legally filed to run to be the Democratic candidate for governor in the general election. Um, and the Secretary of State says because he had filed as a, or sorry, he was registered as a Republican voter. And I, you know, public records show that that's been the case since at least 2014. Um, and they say because he is not registered as a voter uh, with the Democratic Party, or he wasn't at the time that he filed, that they are not accepting his filing for governor. And that is a huge blow to the Democratic Party. They have been so excited about Shelby, Shelby Ronstad running for governor since he first announced about six months ago. Sure. And he, of course, you know, filed on Friday they didn't catch the, the issue that they found with his paperwork until after the filing deadline had closed, which means it was too late to correct that action. Um, the campaign maintains that they, the, the way they read the statute, which is 34704, I know this because I've read it a lot over the last few days <laughs> trying to figure this out. They maintain that because Shelby, the statute says, you have to file with a party, not the same party. That he was in fact legally qualified to be on the ballot. Uh, I get the impression that we're gonna see a lawsuit coming out of this, but in the meantime, he still has the chance to be a write-in candidate to show up on the general election ballot. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. The Republican primary for uh, governor's seats, meanwhile, is getting crowded. Uh, you have a few that are uh, perennials that regularly run, um, but most notice, noticeably, I suppose, uh, the Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan is challenging the current Governor uh, Brad Little along with some other contenders, um, Ed Humphreys and uh, Ammon Bundy, who mm -hmm. just yesterday was uh, convic convicted of trespassing and obstructing uh, police in a jury trial, but a few days after he was arrested again for trespassing at a hospital on early Saturday morning, right? Uh, he is not a registered Republican though, so um, 
voters won't have the concern of whether Bundy takes away votes from one candidate or the other because he will be registered as an independent. At least during the primary, right. He's right. going to be on that general election ballot and will certainly um, get some votes. I mean, he, he, has, he has support in the state. I, every time I've traveled around the state, I usually see at least one Bundy sign popping up. Um, not not as common as, you know, other signs I've seen in other elections, but it, it's early. We'll have to wait and see. I did make note, neither of the Supreme Court justices that are eligible uh, for re-election have challengers. So uh, that means definitively that Justice Brody and Justice Zahn will keep their seats. And isn't that interesting? I, I can't remember if it was 20, I believe it was 2016 that there were four contenders for an open Supreme Court seat, including Robin Brody, who eventually won, of course. Uh, this, these races in the not too distant pa uh, past were actually pretty competitive. Um, and to see neither of the justices, one of whom was just recently appointed um, and has never actually been elected to that position before, um, to see them have no challengers at all is pretty remarkable. Uh, one of the only Supreme Court justices to lose their seat was Kathy Silak. Um, she was on the Idaho Court of Appeals and then the Idaho Supreme Court, of course, and she had a challenger after a very contentious um, decision. Uh, and so there was a pretty heavy campaign, but I've actually heard her say that her case was rare, and so she continues to encourage uh, particularly women, legal, um, legal minds, to continue to run for uh, the justice seat and stress that her case was rare. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. Well, you know, and whether we're talking about the Supreme Court or the legislature or statewide office, Idaho has certainly voted out incumbents in the past, but it's pretty rare, just like everywhere, right? You know, I we, we tend to dislike institutions as a whole, whether they be the Congress or, or Congress or the legislature, but for the most part, we like our individual representatives. We don't vote them out as often as you would think based on some of those approval polls that we see. There's also a few candidates I've noticed that have come in that um, some would consider, uh, I suppose, ultra-conservative. Uh, for example, Lori Likely's challenger. It's Eric Parker. Is Eric Parker, yeah. Right, right, and that new, that's another new district. That's a pairing, those are two counties that, that haven't been paired together in in recent rounds of redistricting, where Eric Parker lives in Blaine County, um, which is a Democratic stronghold. He was the Republican candidate for state Senate the last election in 2020, um, and Michelle Stennett beat him in the general election. Not only is Michelle Stennett retiring, as we mentioned, but Blaine County has been redistricted with Jerome County. Jerome County, you know, the, the home of Republicans like Maxine Bell, has a pretty strong core of what I would call, you know, tradi traditional Southern Idaho Republicans. Um, Eric Parker is a lot more conservative than that. He's he's known for his affiliations with the the three percenters, with Ammon Bundy in the past. The uh, up in District One, Sage Dixon, excuse me, Sage Dixon also has a challenger from Todd Engel, who was um, involved in the Ammon Bundy Ranch standoff, and I believe he's served some uh, jail time for that. So he will be challenging Sage Dixon. Uh, there's a variety of familiar names, and I would say some of those names are familiar because they previously held office, 
And some of those names are familiar because they've made the news for one reason or another. So it'll be an interesting election. You know, and, and as much as people talk about how controversial people like Todd Engel and Eric Parker are, they, they have... And, and, and people in their circles have a lot of support. And, and I'll point to Representative Heather Scott as an, as an example. She's in the new District 2. Um, she is not challenged in either the primary or the general election. Unless she decides to step aside, she is guaranteed to be back next year. Um, and, and that's pretty remarkable because she's one of the lawmakers that people point to as the most controversial. And so, you, they have they they clearly have support. Oh yeah, among she their knows voters. her base. She, she knows has her base. a strong base. She knows her community exactly. And I think she would argue that uh, while some in Boise might consider her controversial, she is attempting to fight for what she believes her constituents want. She often brings up her constituents yeah. too, saying like this, this is something that my constituents are asking me for. Sure. Um, which. There's Which, value in that. Absolutely there I is. I think um, some legislators could do a better job of paying attention to what their individual uh, right. constituents want. It'll be interesting to see how that campaign plays out. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we certainly have a lot to keep an eye on. And of course, uh, we'll be putting out our debate schedule for those statewide and congressional races over the next couple weeks. Make sure to keep an eye out for that. That'll be linked on IdahoPTV.org. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marcia Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.